Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode 76 for October 28th, 2010. And today's show is going to be a little bit different. We really don't have a whole lot planned. We actually, see, here's the funny thing. We planned to have nothing planned for the last show. So it's a week later now because of just various delays. And now we're actually having another show where we could have planned something, but the idea of an unplanned show sounded so fun, we decided to plan to have an unplanned show. That's pretty much the story of my life. It's the uh, planned spontaneity. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so the idea here it's like is planned obsolescence. Yeah, we're we're basically just going to talk about whatever comes to mind. We only have a couple things written down and a couple voicemails, but as far as the the main topics, we're just going to go where this conversation takes us. And that could That's be right. that could Absolutely. be bad. It could be very bad. It's going to be crashing right into the ground any second now, but <laughs> all of you will get to enjoy the ride with us, Woo-hoo! and that's the most important part. Yeah, exactly. So, I feel like we should play like, Star Trek music in the background or something. Some, going, ca- some kind of music yeah. would be nice. That'd be great. Um, yeah, well, anyway, before we get to all that fun stuff that we don't even know what it's going to be yet, Matt, you want to tell them how they can get in touch with us? Right, absolutely. Well, you know what? By now, you know there's probably a couple of different ways that you can get a hold of us. You, if you have a comment, a question, or a suggestion, uh, either about something you're going to hear in today's show, which will be really interesting because we don't even know what we're going to hear in today's show, or maybe it's something that you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode that would be more properly planned, or maybe spontaneous, and we'll just pull it out of a hat or something. But you can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone, leave us a message on our voicemail at 623 242 2450. And of course, you can also find all three of us on Twitter. I'm at MBW Podcast. Mark is at Wood Whisperer. And Shannon is at Renaissance WW. And you can even find us over on the Facebook, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, so one more place. I always forget this. I don't know why I forget it because it's the name of the show. But you can find us over at woodtalkonline.com. <laughs> Hang out in the forum, ask questions, and you might find us over there, too. Uh, more than likely, yes. So uh, we'll have that phone number at the end of the show, and I say, on with the show. Woohoo! Sounds good. Yay. Hey, you know, I see some people complaining about uh, the lag and things like that. Um, there's really nothing we can do about it. So if it's if it's lagging, it's not on any of the three of our ends. It's Ustream. So if Ustream is having problems and lag downstream is is an issue, that that's the cause of it. There's really nothing we can do about it. We just have to go on with the show. And if you really miss a lot, of course, we have this available for download later. So I do apologize for That's that, right. but it's it's a little bit beyond our control. Yeah, the I downstream flow of the Ustream is just completely up the stream because somebody crossed the streams. <laughs> Too many. That's a lot <laughs> of stream action. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's move on here. What's on the bench? Our normal little conversation about that. That's one thing we do have actually planned. And uh, I'll go first. And there's really not a whole lot because last week I was at BlizzCon, the big nerd convention in... Nicole just got excited about that. Um, <laughs> got a woo in the background. <laughs> yeah, a big old nerd convention that was a lot of fun, so that distracted me from the shop. But uh, at this point, I'm just working on my advent calendar prototype, which, frankly, I just put up a post about this today. The doors and the hinges for the doors are giving me a little bit of trouble trying to figure out how to hinge these little baby one-and-a-half-inch by one-and-a-half-inch doors. And the problem is... One of those would be fine. There's, you know, a hundred ways you could do it with one. But when you have to do 25 of them, all of a sudden you're looking for more simple and practical solutions for it. So um, interesting conversations happening around that. But that's uh, that's really about all I'm working on right now. 
So you're not going to go with a European style hinge on that is what you're saying? That that might be overkill? <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit. Could you imagine? <laughs> Put a big old cup hinge. And the, the, the material is only like... five millimeter bit in the back. Yeah, it's only a, ha- it's only a half inch thick. <laughs> so that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, oh. it's going to be interesting. And in fact, I'm hoping people or someone who does maybe a, a doll buildings or like little doll houses and stuff might have some experience with what works. Uh, one suggestion I already got right off the bat was to take one of those big, really um, long but very thin and small piano hinges and cut it into small, maybe, I don't know, an inch long piece and then just knock them into the the parts with pins. So that's certainly one option that that I might look at after thinking about it a little bit. That would work. I made a a photo album a while ago. It's on my Lumberjocks profile, and I used the exact same thing. And the boards, the leaves for the album were only like, I think they were a quarter of an inch thick. Mm Mm-hmm. And that piano hinge with little tacks worked perfectly for that. Oh, okay. Yeah, the tacks are definitely going to be key at this point. Oh, okay. Well, that's about it for me. Matt, tell us, my friend, what do you have on your bench now? Well, actually, it's off my bench at the moment. I finally am getting caught up with some projects that are way overdue. I mean, this is my excuse all the time. And I'm I'm going to own it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to have T-shirts made up with it. But basically, I have finally – I've got this client's project that I have been sitting on um, since about July. It's I, I told her she could have it by this weekend. I think I'm going to push it out till Monday or Tuesday before she can actually have it just to stay consistent with my lateness. But it's – I don't really know if you would call it like a buffet a console, what you would call it, but I'm going to go with a buffet just because I like the term so much. <laughs> right. um, but it's, it, it's about, uh, let's see here, it comes up to my waist, so that's about 32, 36 inches high. Uh, it has four doors in the front, two drawers. It's made out of this exotic that I've never had a chance to play with, but I've heard quite a bit about, which is called Walnut. I don't know if you've ever, yeah, (laughs) yeah, and I I just put the first coat of finish on it. I'm just using just, in fact, I'm using armor seal, general finishes armor seal. Um, And it's unbelievable how rich the color is on it. I'm just like, it's it's gorgeous. In fact, Samantha walked down, looked at it and said, can you build them another one and we'll take this one? Um, No, because I need their money so I can build us another one is what I really need. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's what I'm finishing up right now. But um, so is it? Is it an all-you-can-eat buffet? I'm hoping so, because once we get it in there, I'm going to be visiting quite a bit if they're putting food on it. I was going to say, Matt just likes the idea that the, the word buffet just sounds good to him. That's exactly right. I, I think I think all furniture pieces from now on that I'm going to build will have to have some sort of food reference in them. Otherwise, I'm not building it at all. <laughs> right. Awesome. Right on. Very cool. Shannon, what's uh, well, you've got something big. Now, we meant to talk about this uh, last show, and fortunately... I don't know whether I just had too much sugar or what, but I zipped right past it like it wasn't even on the list, and uh, it definitely deserves a little bit of time. So tell us about the Hand Tool School, my friend. Hand Tool School. Well, the last show was actually in Hand Tool School. Well, the last show was actually in Hand Tool, and I wasn't there. We missed you. And I listened, and I was jealous, and that was enough. So actually, yeah, if we talked about it two shows ago, it wouldn't have made much sense because it hadn't launched yet. But the Hand Tool School was kind of this idea that I came up with to, you know, provide a hand tool only site, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it'll, it will inevitably be be compared to your guild, Mark, there's just no way around it, because there's only, what, two or three member only sites in the woodworking world, you, Charles, and myself. So, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm calling it the school, I'm keeping it with this whole school theme, but I'm, 
also trying to somewhat distance myself from that a little bit because people are taking it a little too literally. I've gotten a lot of emails <laughs> saying, oh, I can't start school right now because I've got, you know, I've got this project at work or I'm in another class and, and I want to make sure that I can be there on time. And I keep having to tell people that, no, I'm, I'm just putting out videos. And as a member, you have access to the whole <laughs> video archive and you can listen and, and do the class anytime you want and download it for that matter. And I think it's starting to get through to people, but I had probably 30 emails mm-hmm. about, oh, when's it going to start? I don't want to be late. And yeah, yeah. So then I started thinking maybe I should do that and start enforcing specific times. And so are, are you finding like apples on your front porch and things like that? <laughs> burning, <laughs> burning bags of dog poop, actually. That's what I'm finding. Has anybody asked if they can audit the class versus actually take it? <laughs> Can you I audit the class? Did. That's funny. <laughs> well, the the idea was is there's there's all this talk of hand tools and there's so many incredible hand tools out there and they're all great, but I think people are getting a little too caught up in in I need this tool in order to work um, by hand and I need this tool in order to cut rabbits and I, I wanted to kind of cut through all that and I did a lot of reading on like the typical apprentice toolkit like mm-hmm. 200, 300 years ago and it was like nothing. It was like 15 tools couple of saws and some chisels and like a smoothing plane and maybe a joiner plane. And that was it. So I thought, why not start this school off, have a series of lessons that kind of walk people through the different types of joints and really restrict the toolkit. Um, I'm going to show how to cut the joints with different and specialized tools and things like that. But for instance, the first episode that came out, we make a pair of winding sticks mm-hmm. and, you know, we inlay a little piece along the top. And rather than cutting the rabbit with a plow plane or a shoulder plane, I do it the hard way and cut it with just a chisel because the initial toolkit doesn't have any of those specialty planes in it. It's right. just got, you know, the coarse, medium and fine type planes for milling the wood, a set of chisels, some saws and brace and bit really. That's kind of it and some layout tools. So it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've actually done the, let's see, I've done the first four lessons now that I filmed. I was just editing the second one because the second lesson goes up tomorrow and, you know, I have a lot of different hand tools, but having to force myself to only use what I've got in the kit has been really very interesting. So, <laughs> a little tricky, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I want to reach for that that plow plane or, or you know, when I'm cutting dados and, and shoulder planes when cutting dados and having to do it just with the chisel and a saw, um, it's it's been fun. Um, I just finished the sliding dovetail lesson, and that was that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fun is in quotes there. Yeah. So, you know, granted, I'm I'm not expecting anybody to just kind of throw away all their power tools. But the idea is, I think if you know how to do it by hand, it will make you a better woodworker over time, just because, you know, now you've got that option, you've got that alternative, right? You know, the perfect example being when that when your planer or your joiner is not wide enough, being able to join it by hand and thickness it by hand will just make give you so many more options when it comes to work down the road. Right. So, you know, each lesson is, um, I don't know, anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes long and I kind of lay out a technique and, a, and a demonstrate it. And then I do a series of practice exercises. That's a second video. And then the third video is a little applied project. And I'm keeping them in the, at least the first semester anyway, semester in air quotes. Um, I'm keeping those projects kind of shop type projects. For instance, the first one was a pair of winding sticks. The second lesson, the sawing lesson, we're building a saw bench, go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, third <laughs> lessons, dados, rabbits, and grooves. Oh my. And, um, we're, we're building, um, you know, that, that chisel rack that you always see in the background of Schwartz's pictures. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, 
and that's all going to be in two pieces and you just end up going to having to cut a whole bunch of dados and then this cool little groove along the bottom. So the, the exercises are designed to basically apply the technique I just taught. So ideally, after you finish these exercises, you'll be pretty good on that. And then at the end of the semester, we do a final project and we kind of roll all of these techniques together into one. So it's the, the response has been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got about... I think last count about 55 members that have signed up. So mm-hmm. pretty psyched in the first week, um, that kind of response. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I've got all kinds of other things planned, um, you know, kind of like you've done Mark. I mean, you're always throwing little thing, little extras in there, live presentations and things like that. I've had some conversations with um, some of the curators and local museums and they've actually agreed to let me bring a camera on site and um, do like a tour. Um, with oh, cool. the one of the curators of the Winterthur Museum said, sure, that's fine. I'm sure I'm probably going to have to like buy a membership to the museum in order to pay the guy back for letting me do this. <laughs> little things like that. I'm going to take, again, keeping with the whole school idea, I'll be taking field trips and filming these things and kind of showing what's, you know, history of furniture milling and things like that. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking cool. forward to uh, fleshing this out as it goes along. Cool. Just make sure on those field trips that you double check Matt's permission slips because he's been known to not have his mother sign them. I have heard that. I've heard that. My mom has a very large uh, swooping P at the beginning of her uh, name, and it's it's unique. So you <laughs> swooping P's. Not nice. I did that earlier. Um, <laughs> no, th- this does sound really cool. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to head over there. Um, but that that's one of those things. As soon as this the buffet is uh wiped up out of my garage out of my basement that's one of the things i I do want to get over there because i really love this idea that you have set up this whole apprenticeship kind of concept um i i I think it's something that a lot of people will really really benefit from so definitely definitely really cool yeah i I actually i did see the winding sticks uh lesson i didn't uh is there one up beyond that now not yet there will be tomorrow so i didn't miss it yet spacing them every other week that way 12 lessons that'll that each semester is about six months long. Mm-hmm. So with those 12 lessons, that'll get me through five months. And then we've got the, the whole sixth month to build the final project, which by the way, the final project in semester one is a hanging tool cabinet, but I'm going to really pimp it out. You know, it's, it's going to be, you know, when you look at some of those like tool chests and things like that, that, you know, the apprentice wanted to show his master, look at all the things I've learned and they, you know, do inlay and all kinds of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a, a pretty cool tool cabinet. I'm actually basing it off of a, of a Heppel white coffee table design. So it should be kind of neat. Um, nice. What's going to be fun. And actually I'll segue into one of our next topics. If you remember way, way back when on the T chisel show before rough cut existed, mm-hmm. he made that crazy like federal table. Right. Yep. And yes. He did four different styles of legs to kind of teach the different styles. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what this is going to end up looking like because I've got what uh, I think 11 joints. I'm teaching the first semester. The plan is to incorporate all 11 of those joints into this project. Nice. That's okay. kind of hard to do, you know, like, yeah, most no kidding. have like two joints. So, right. You know, be, one side be, will be much stronger than the other, but just ignore that fact <laughs> and have your tools on the left. <laughs> no, it's, it's really a cool idea, it, it, and it's one of those things that creates like a learning piece that has a really cool story. And it's not, you know, for the shop. I mean, the, the federal leg table was kind of neat, but that's something you would be tempted to put in your house. And then, of course, you know, it becomes a conversation piece, but it still might not pass the aesthetics committee. Um, you know, but something like a tool chest that's in your shop, that thing can look as dumb as you want it to look. But if it's, if it's a good learning tool, I think the shop is a perfect place for something like that. So great idea. And and that's kind of the idea with all the projects in the first semester, you know, ideally there'll be one 
one project per lesson. So you're going to be making 13 projects when you include the final. Um, you know, they're all going to be little things like bench hooks and stuff like that. But the fact that they're not supposed to be furniture grade, I yeah. think hopefully will get people past the, oh my God, I don't want to screw it up. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and use whatever wood you've got, you know, use sure. poplar, use pine from the, the hardware store or whatever. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Just get out. Wow. Sorry, Nike. Um, woodworkers <laughs> just do it. Do so it. I'm, I'm really excited about it. If you can't tell, it's it's been a lot of fun so far. I've gotten some great feedback from the members already. I uh, built a whole tool library online that kind of goes into the different tools, and I'll be putting up some more videos on tuning and sharpening and all that fun stuff. So lots to come. Sounds good. Exciting stuff. All right, now we can probably move on to whatever it is that we're going to talk about, which is a little up in the air. I know one topic we wanted to hit. Um, which has kind of been making some waves lately. And, and uh, another wave was, you know, going through Twitter today because of a blog post uh, about this. So um, if you guys are up for it, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Rough Cut show. You just brought up uh, Tommy Mac's old show. Well, this is now his TV show. And right. most people, unless you're not really paying much attention, uh, know that there is a TV show now, a PBS TV, TV show that's sort of been – uh, named, and I think this isn't just the community doing this. This is coming from them naming it the replacement for the new Yankee workshop and referring to Tommy as the new norm. So right. needless to say, this is going to put him and this show under a lot of scrutiny. And yeah. and man, have they gotten the scrutiny. You know I mean? They've really yeah. been uh, been overanalyzed and, and just uh, it's it's been – I don't know if, if you guys got the same impression I did, but it's been messy. Huh. That's putting it nicely. Yeah. I mean, so so the things that I've read, I mean, basically there's a couple of posts that find woodworking. I think Knott's had a, a forum post, and then there was a blog post that basically said, what do you guys think? Almost, I think, kind of like egging people on to give their opinion on it. Um, and it did not go well. I mean, if you were to look at the the comments, I would say, you know, more than 75% of them we're on the negative side. You know, most of them were reasonable saying like, look, I didn't really like this. Maybe they'll improve that. Uh, But there were a few in there that were, um, dare I say, scathing, you know, and I was just like, man, this is intense. This is really crazy stuff. Yeah, it it has gotten really ugly. I mean, first, we probably should should premise it a little bit. I I mean, the the Knots Forum, let's get serious. They're not necessarily the nicest people over there, and they don't (laughs) seem to have much of a sense of humor either. I mean, they really – some of the stuff that the the certain posters, which seem to be the ones that constantly keep coming up over and over – I don't know what bug they have up their butt, but they really need to get somebody up there to take <laughs> very, a look at it. <laughs> a very painful one, apparently. Yeah, yeah but, you know, it's uh, – unfortunately, one thing I have to say before we go any further with this is – and, Mark, you know this. When we were at Woodworking America, I think I was one of the only people there that did not catch the, the world premiere of it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the night that they had the wedding buffet, and I missed that. <laughs> the whole reception. Um, Oh yeah, the reception. Yeah, that yeah, was you it. Missed it. <laughs> I, I I missed that, and then I know that they were playing it all day Saturday in the uh, the marketplace, and I I completely missed it again. So I have I have yet to see the the PBS show itself. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the podcast, um, but like I said, I I haven't seen the show itself, so I really can't say too much about it other than what other people have been saying. And um, one thing for sure, if if you enjoyed the podcast and and you really enjoyed everything that was going on with it, then obviously I think you're a little biased towards it, which is perfectly fine. I'd like to think that if we had a show that everybody would be biased towards us too. But one thing that really got me thinking 
and this seems to be coming up. I hope I'm not jumping the gun on this with uh, a lot of the things that the people are saying in there is, again, it's this idea that you have 20 minutes to put together a project and he's skipping over all these things supposedly that, you know, people want to see. But when you have 20 minutes and they want a project every single episode, mm-hmm. it's impossible to be able to put in every aspect from design to lumber selection to joinery. Why are you using this joinery, you know, uh, construction and then going through that? It's it, it's impossible. One thought I had, and um, it'd be really cool if they did this, but I doubt anybody would do it. Uh, there's a, a little show. I, I've never watched this one either called 24. And the whole season is <laughs> devoted to one single day. <laughs> right. What, why couldn't a woodworking show that's going to be on TV be devoted to one project per season and go from beginning to the design process right to the to the end of it? That I think I would turn in for that. I think hardcore woodworkers would like something with like that. Of course, I might wait for it to come on DVD so I can just watch it all in one big sitting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's I, I think that's where a lot of the criticism is coming in is like this notion like, oh, he's this person. He's supposed to be able to do this and we're not seeing it. But then again, the other thing I heard quite a bit from everybody was the fact that he really does – his personality is Tommy. And unless you're not familiar with Tommy, it takes a little while to get used to Tommy if you're not used to that type of personality. So yeah. that's 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 what I understand. But like I said, I haven't seen the actual show itself, so I really can't make much more comment than that. But I, I will – Where did Matt go? Norm Abrams yeah. watching um... – Oh, hold on a second. You guys just, uh, for like three seconds, everything just cut out. So, uh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, what was the last thing that you said, Matt? And then I guess Shannon was making some oh. point. Oh, I, I was just saying that um, I will make comments because, well, that's just who I am. <laughs> so. there you go. Fair enough, Matt. Disclaimer is out there. <laughs> I think it's interesting because when you watch New Yankee Workshop, when you watch Woodworks, you know, it's the, still the same time slot. Yeah. Still 30 minutes. And I... I didn't feel as rushed in those. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because Norm was really laid back and, and David certainly laid back. Um, there's something that seems almost frantic um, about yeah. Rough Cut. And it it is interesting because you, there is a lot of stuff that's skipped. And maybe it's because at first I thought it was because of the, the Rough Cut road trips that Tommy takes every, every um, episode he goes out on the road somewhere. But, you know, Norm did the same thing. Yeah. He usually started out each show in some place, you know, old Sturbridge Village or something like that. And um, he seemed like he actually spent more time on the road than Tommy does. So I don't quite know what it is. It must just be the general pacing of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like a lot is being left out because we're jumping from one thing to the other. It seems like they spend an awful lot of time on kind of artistic shots, you know, close up um on level with with the joiner the the board comes off and right and i don't know i mean i i certainly wasn't expecting to see every single detail and actually matt it's funny because you know the, the 24 idea i think would work because who who is the demographic you know are they really it's woodworkers don't we want to see that i mean are they really expecting to to grab somebody who's not a woodworker i i don't know maybe maybe there will maybe there's just the average kind of looky-loo that will grab onto that show. It just doesn't seem to me. I mean, Woodcraft certainly isn't hoping that Woodcraft is hoping that real woodworkers yeah. are watching this and buying their stuff. So mm-hmm. it seems right. to me they we could get a little more detailed on that. 
And at one point, we kind of joked around about the fact that, you know, it, it's very easy, just like with, with any sport, to be like, you know, like a Monday morning quarterback for football. Uh, yeah. I have a feeling that there are those who are like the, the, the Monday morning woodworker, the armchair woodworker, who probably owns every DVD, probably has all these books, but ha- have you ever seen them build something, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, there, there'll be those people, but you're right. I mean, I, I seriously think that the, the hardcore woodworkers would just eat that stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's the T the TV thing, you know, is always going to seem to push into general more than, you know, going into specifics and into the niche stuff. And, and the, it seems like the more the web begins to fill that void of niche content, the more the TV stuff tends to get broader and broader in an attempt to bring in a wider audience. So, yeah. fr- you know, frankly, I think we live in our little microcosm here on the internet and we think that, you know, like this this impression of what we feel about the show, honestly, I got to wonder how much that really matters to the people at WGBH and what they really care about and the numbers mm-hmm. that they're looking at. So, um, like I said, a lot of things we think are really important or things that, oh, my God, everybody knows about this because all the people we talk to every day do know about it. But when you right. really look at the big picture of who's watching PBS and what shows get more numbers than other shows, I don't even think we really have any clue uh, what kind of impact the actual woodworking community has. I mean, and I would right. imagine they, they're they going to do what's at least what they think is best for their business, bottom line, which tells me that the real true hardcore woodworker is not who they're making that show for. And I think us sort of, you know, I say us collectively as the community, uh, complaining about that show and placing expectations on this show is a little bit unfair because I think you're just looking in the wrong place for that type of content. I mean, if, if they're expecting Tommy to be able to do an entire uh, Bombay secretary or, you know, whatever he spent a, a hundred episodes or so doing, they're nuts. It's not going to happen. There's no way. So, you right. know, it's just, I think we're almost maybe, now I won't say spoiled, but we're changed as, as a community of woodworkers, we're changed. And the expectation is a little bit different than it was five years ago. You know, with all this stuff that we get to see online now directly from the people making it, it's just a different environment than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, here's the other thing. It's not like there are actually people may be complaining and moaning about it, but people are still watching it. Right. You know, I mean, I, I think I don't know. I said this somewhere today. Um you know, I'm going to watch it no matter what because <laughs> yeah. it's woodworking on TV. Who the hell cares? You know, I mean, we're you all know, ad- addicted to this stuff. We're just going to watch it whether you like it or not. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that, that that's that's another thing is the fact that I think, again, like you kind of appointed there, Mark, with, with the microcosm that we kind of live in. A lot of us, what we're seeing online, whether it's going to be on YouTube, our individual shows, whoever show it is. Um, unless you have like a really good uh, internet connection, you're not seeing these shows. If you have dial-up, good luck trying to get one of our shows really to come down unless you're going to download it, you know, take all day and then maybe watch it the next day or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause we, I mean, I can't remember the last time that I ever thought about, you know, having to worry about my, my internet connection. Oh wait, no, that was a few months ago. I had to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Damn squirrels. <laughs> we had to worry about that quite often if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. If it was raining or if there were squirrels. <laughs> But, Forget about it. We're going to have to recancel and <laughs> yeah. do it all over again. Well, I do want to make sure everyone you know is clear. As far as our personal standpoint, you're talking to three people who produce content for woodworkers. We are in favor of anybody producing content for woodworkers in any medium. So yeah. you know, as far Absolutely. as where we come from, the more the better. And frankly, in the world of television, I consider that kind of the front line. 
Uh, someone catches a show on a Saturday afternoon. They go, hey, what, what's that guy doing? I mean, that, that's how I got into it, by catching David Marks. And, right. uh, and it changed it literally changed my life from that point on because I caught this one episode. So that kind of inspiration, you know, if, the, if someone can see this and go, hey, you know what? I've got a chisel in the shop. Maybe I'll go buy a cheap hand plane. And that gets them into the hobby. I'm all for it. And I consider a show like Rough Cut, uh, American Woodshop and the Router Guys and all, all those people who do the PBS thing, that's the front line for the, for the I would say, the mass, you know, the mass market. And if they can capture those people and bring them in further, what are they going to do? Step two, they're going to go to the Internet and they're going to do a Google search and then they're yep. going to find one of us goobers. You know, so it's really all just part of bringing this whole thing, you know, this whole circle of life <laughs> in the woodworking <laughs> world together. We need that on the front line. So I'm just thankful that there is something there. Um, yes. You know, so really what we're talking about here is we're kind of taken aback. I think all three of us could agree that we're taken aback a little bit by the general community's reaction. Um, and I think that's kind of what we want to talk about. We are not putting the show down. I don't think we're just kind of, I just want to no. make sure that's clear. I don't want anyone to misunderstand where we're coming from here. Well, right, and, and it, let's, let's get on the positive side of things, the projects. Cause I think neither of you guys have seen it, right? I only saw the first segment at WIA at the wedding, right. at the wedding reception. Um, right. I actually get it here, <laughs> here in Maryland. I've seen the first three episodes and the projects they're awesome. You know, I'll, well, I'll say the second episode is that um, Shaker Stepstool that he did in Fine Woodworking and he did on the podcast mm -hmm. originally. So that was a little, okay, yeah, I've seen that a couple of times. But still, um, his his trestle table and the, the whatever, the initial episode was yeah. a nice table. And then the third episode, he builds this cool little hanging cupboard and he actually stacks molding. He does a dental molding along the top. It's a nice project. It's a beautiful project. It's a heck of a lot nicer than anything I've ever seen Scott Phillips build. Mm -hmm. And and Norm, Norm always built nice stuff, but there was always that kind of, well, the Brad nail effect. You know, yeah. it always felt like he he had a beautiful piece and then kind of copped out. Then he perforated um, it. <laughs> please don't strike me down, woodworking gods. Norm, I love you, but um, it, there there is truly fine woodworking going on on the show. And, you know, being able to go into Phil Lowe's shop on the third episode and, and watch him do some molding planing, granted, it was only like 30 seconds, but it was really cool. Yeah. Being able to see the old North Church and see the, the moldings uh, that inspired this piece and then being able to take it back and say, here were the moldings, in, you know, the typical Georgian architecture moldings, let's incorporate it into this little hanging cabinet. I think that is really cool. And that's something that nobody's really done before. So... I haven't seen this quality of project since David Marks, frankly. Yeah. So kudos, kudos to Tommy there, which is even more a reason why he's rushed because he's not using bread nails. Yeah. We, yeah. You, definitely the one thing, you know, and again, I'm going to reiterate the reiteration. It seems like everything that's happening in the, um, uh, the, the, the forums about what people don't like about this show is um, number one, it, it's his, uh, I think his personality. People are just not used to him. So right. maybe once he's out there, maybe once people, you know, kind of get the Tommy effect, then I think maybe um, they'll, 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 it'll start to warm up on people where they see what he's actually doing. So you said he's only two episodes into it really when it comes down to it. And yeah. the other the other thing I was thinking is, especially from the Nas forum, I don't want to pick on them too much, but they're the one they're the the, the forum du jour to, is right now. So one thing I noticed, these guys were all grabbing on stuff that seemed to me so 
superficial, you know, oh, I didn't like the way that he he wasn't wearing glasses. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. Yeah. And it's funny because I wonder what their experience is to some degree. Is this the only thing? Because they're almost parroting some of this ridiculous stuff that we see here over and over and over, which is, of course, important in the beginning. Uh, we should stick with it. Safety is always important, blah, 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 blah. Right. But at the same time, though, get over it. <laughs> it's it's done and it's it's over with people you know move on let's let's focus on something else yeah it was a little rough i mean i, I like i said i was no pun intended it was a little rough <laughs> <laughs> bad one um but you know i i think from what i heard a couple people emailed me it's going to start in the phoenix area in december i believe uh so i'll be able to actually check out full episodes and i'll you know give my opinion but again i don't my opinion of just about any TV show that's supposed to teach me something is not going to be good. And it's nothing a knock against, you know, Tommy in particular or his projects. It's just the format. Um, obviously, I'm very biased to web content and the power of, of web communication. So for me personally, any TV show about any topic is going to be way too fast, you know, way too little information. And that's just that's TV. That's what television is. And that's why, honestly, I think, you know, the web is truly the best teaching tool that we have right now as far as the medium goes uh, right. so so i think people are just placing the wrong expectation uh, on this particular show and and also like you said finding crap to complain about that really don't affect you know the overall <laughs> uh goal which is to teach you something um they're just there's just something about it that's not right for them i don't and it's it's a little hard to put my finger on whether it's bitterness or just you know they're cranky i don't know yeah. I'm curious to see if we go in, find these particular individuals and look at every post they put up. I almost wonder if they have a copy and paste sometimes because this stuff really – they reiterate <laughs> the recreation. So. Yeah, and all I can say is I've had for quite a while now, it seems like as soon as you put a video on the web, someone is going to come along and say, you know, hey, you should do a TV show. And my response has always been, you know, honestly, I just don't think that I could be effective on television and doing things the way that I do them. Uh, and I and I think, you know, you're asking me to do this, but you'd be the same person who's going to give me crap about it when my half an hour TV show sucks. And, right. and and I think this is really making me feel even stronger about my convictions to stay on the Web because it's just I don't know, for me, it's just a more productive environment for both me and the person learning from me. I just don't see that value coming out of uh, out of television these days. Yeah, I think it's the the whole um, – it's way more open for you to communicate with the people that are watching it where with a television show, they're already in the can. They're already out there. There's not going to be that communication except, of course, you could go to their website if they have it up and running. But, you know, it's – I don't know. A lot of times those are – I don't know. You get, get some interesting situations. The way I look at it, if somebody says they want to see my show on TV, which if any of you would please send me that email, I'd feel a lot better about myself. <laughs> I'm going to send you one later, Matt. <laughs> uh, but with this, my suggestion will simply be uh, copy a bunch of my uh, shows, put them on DVD, and watch it on TV that way. So there you go. There's so many ways. The technology is great these days. The convergence of technology is pretty good and getting right. better with, you know, Google TV and stuff like that. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, let's uh, let's not beat this dead horse any more than it already has been beaten. Let's just say, you know, we wish uh, Tommy the best and uh, we did get a chance to hang out with him a little bit at WIA. So uh, hopefully yep. this is a success because honestly, a success for him means, uh, you know, a, a success for the rest of us and, and more content and more interest in this hobby and uh, craft that we all love. So it's the one thing that kind of binds us all together regardless. 
and yeah. it gives us variety. I think that's the most important thing. Variety, like variety. a buffet. You know, <laughs> like a delicious buffet of woodworking. <laughs> um, you know, you're absolutely right there, Matt. That's a really good point because personality really factors into it. And a lot of people, I think Tommy has a bit of a, a polarizing personality where I think you put him in a, a room and he's going to give a talk. I think 50% of the people are going to absolutely adore him. And the other 50% are going to be like, eh. And it's not because of the information. I think he has a polarizing personality. And it's not, I don't think I'm saying anything people don't already know. Um, some people are just like that. But, right. you Isn't know. Isn't that a good thing, though? I mean, God, if he was just made everybody happy, you just uh, fall asleep. You know, well, yeah. I mean, you there's. I was reading an article about writing for the web and stuff. And, and it was talking about this concept of trying to kick the fence sitters off of the fence. Because it's much better to have a smaller group of people be a diehard fan of yours than to have a bunch of people sitting on the fence and they can kind of like, yeah, I could take it or leave it, you know, depending on what they write. So aim for the fence sitters. Try and knock them one way or the <laughs> other and you'll be a more effective communicator and have a much more active fan base. It's kind of an interesting concept, but I think you're right. I, think I read that too. Copy blogger, wasn't it? Probably, yeah. Good article. One of those well, links so that what, Nicole sent me. <laughs> the last thing I'll, I'll say about Rough Cut is um, go check out the website, um, thomasjmcdonald.com. That's Mac, M-A-C, Donald, in case you weren't aware. There's a lot of stuff on there. And Tommy's actually taken all of his old projects, like the Crazy Lake Table and uh, the Bombay. All of those episodes are on there, so they didn't go away. Um, and, you know, there's there's a forum over there. There's all kinds of stuff. Um, so go check it out. There's I'm actually pretty happy with what they've done with the site so far. It I looked at it when the show first launched, and I was like, um, did somebody forget to publish? And they've added like a huge amount of content to it in the last couple of weeks. So it's a cool. pretty good site. Awesome. All right. Well, enough about that. We've got a couple other things to mention here. I do have some uh, links to articles or uh, I should say blog. I'm all confused tonight. Forum post is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, a couple of good ones here that you may want to check out. We've got one, which is about the Christmas list. And believe it or not, the holidays are actually coming up really fast. And I think before we know it, uh, it's going to be Thanksgiving. So this is a little Christmas list started by Renzo. And basically it's one of those things like, you know, dream list. If you could start your Christmas list today, what would be on it? So it's a, there's a lot of good answers in there and everybody's having fun with it. So a, a great way to drop a hint to your loved one. If, um, you know, if you've got some things in mind that you want for the holidays, drop them in there and accidentally keep the web page up on the computer. So that when they come to the computer, they see it. Or better yet, send me your email and with that list, and I'll just start spamming the hell out of them. <laughs> you know what? There's a good thing to, to to cover a little bit of time here. What what would be on your Christmas list, guys? Uh, Matt, oh, wow. Matt, what's on yours? Oh, what's on my Christmas list? Or are you uh, getting I, all this stuff for free from companies and you don't need it anymore? <laughs> oh, I'm only wow. saying that before one of you says it to me. So <laughs> I wanted to get it out there first. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let me think about this for a second because I'm I'm like I. I'm actually at a loss at the moment because I'm trying to think of all the things that I really want right now. So, uh, Shannon, you go first, and then I'm going to come back <laughs> while I while I okay. stop thinking because I'm. Well, I'm really... I can I can tell you what I put on that actually forum post. Um, besides okay. the Red Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock <laughs> and um, this thing which tells time. Yes, that was the part <laughs> I forgot. I knew there was another. One. I got to watch that movie again now. Nice. Um, I actually want a new dovetail saw. Um, I've got, a, I love my Lee Nielsen dovetail saw, but I've got one of those progressive pitch ones and it's fantastic for carcass dovetails. Mm -hmm. I want a real dovetail saw that's like 16 to 18 PPI, um, for drawer work, half inch and thinner stock. The, mm -hmm. uh, 
the progressive pitch one is um i think it's 15 ppi and down to nine points per inch and Mm -hmm. it gets a little rush or a little rough on the heel so i'm actually i'm at a point where you know i don't really need it but i'm kind of looking around and trying to be picky and i took a look at um eccentric toolworks that's like the beauty saw unfortunately he has a year and a half waiting list thank you christopher schwartz wow so I'm thinking maybe that won't work. So oh, just know, tell him you're a co-host and we talk these. online and he'll he'll bump you to the front of the line. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that <laughs> That's always completely ineffective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, there, there's a bunch out there. I know Mark Carell of Bad X Toolworks is releasing a dovetail saw sometime around Christmas. So I'm going to put that on my list. Nice. That sounds okay. good. Yeah, my, that is Sweet. My list is actually pretty short. I, I want those um, little square hole punches that Daryl Peart designed that Lee Valley sells. I'd like oh, to. Yes. I'd like to get that uh, yeah. just for all the green and green stuff that I do. That would be uh, kind of nice to have. Um, that's really about it right now. Uh, it's a sad little list that I've got. <laughs> I, I play too many video games, and that's mostly what comprises <laughs> my list. I, I think thinking more about it, I, I, mine, mine is, is pretty short at the moment too, but could get kind of pricey. And that's, I, I want a really nice set of, of chisels. And that's what I'm trying to, I'm debating which company I really want to go with. I mean, why don't you get the ones that Tom Iovino sent back? <laughs> yeah, I hear those oh, are, are available again. <laughs> those are available. They're back on the market. That's why Patrick keeps sending still. me emails. Yeah, and they're, and they're all partially flattened on the, the bottom. So you at least got half your work done. Oh, so it's like Tom gave me a Christmas gift and he got it started <laughs> early for me. <laughs> Matt, Matt, it might actually be good for you because I know you can make a flat plain sole curved. Maybe you could make a curved chisel flat. I, yeah, I should give it a shot, actually. It would work <laughs> to my benefit. Nice. I am now only accepting uh, nicely uh, warped uh, planes and plates. <laughs> uh, send them my way. Uh, but I, I think that's that's the one thing I, I really need. Cause, I mean, I have my marbles, which are nice, you know, but at the same time, there's once in a while, I want something that's going to hold its edge just a little bit longer, mm-hmm. that's going to feel a lot prettier in my hand. Because you know what I've been using quite a bit are those Elkhead uh, screwdrivers. I know we showed those at Woodworking in America. Yeah. And I've been playing with those ones. In fact, the, that project, the Buffet, I'm finishing up right now. Um, I've used those to uh, attach some of the, the hinges and, and you know, the last-minute uh, uh, screw placement. And I love the feeling of those. So it's making me think more and more I need some sort of, you know, something like that where it's, it's just really unique. It's not you know, high production. It's something that's going to feel really good in my hands and make my chapped hands look really pretty too. <laughs> they are so choice. Aren't they? <laughs> oh my God. Those things are I just, they're beautiful. I don't feel worthy of using them. That's for sure. I know. Neither do I. Mm-mm-mm. All right. <laughs> oh, a couple more posts that we had. We won't talk about them too much, but you do want to check these out. We've got one discussing the Stanley number 80, which obviously is uh, all of a sudden a point of discussion because the Schwarz did a talk about it at WIA. So subsequently, everybody has to have one. Yeah, uh, did you see that little post that he put up there about uh, Aaron went out and Aaron Marshall went out and found the, uh, did a little graph. Yeah, and did a little data it's... mining to to show the, the Schwarz effect, which was pretty, pretty flippin' cool. So nice yeah, job there, Aaron. Definitely show us your analytics now that you've been Schwarzed, Aaron. I want to see what your site traffic looks like. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Uh, the other topic that we are linking to is kid-proofing a shop. 
So this, I think, could get very interesting. I know a lot of you have little ones, so this is probably something you want to get a little bit of information on. I don't have kids myself, so I think it might be interesting to to hear people's perspective who actually do have kids. So you wouldn't be allowed in your own shop then, right? Uh, Most likely not, (laughs) if I've done things properly. So so Nicole put the fence up and you're still trying to figure out how to undo it? (laughs) I just can't. Well, (laughs) the collar around my neck just seems to shock me every time I cross the threshold. So. All right, we actually do have a couple of voicemails here. We've got one from Steve, and he's got a question concerning Armor Seal. And these are over two minutes long, uh, unfortunately, but we'll... uh, Hey, what else do we have to do, right? Yeah, hey, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Hi, guys. My name's Steve. I'm calling from Spring, Texas. And um, I am working on finishing a project. It's from the Fine Woodworking website. It's a mission-style bed done by Matt Berger. And if you look it up, you'll see that there are, it's uh, full of plenty of uh, mortise and tenon joints, all the slats on the headboards and whatnot. Well, anyway, my question is about finishing. And um, I had thought about and I already started to do a shellac sealer. And the wood that I used is uh, soft maple. Uh, with Some of it's pretty well figured, so I like the look of that. I did not use those quarter sun white oak that he had on the project. But anyway, um, so I, I'm working on finishing. I was thinking about sealing up a shellac, just a clear shellac, and then going over that after sanding that with uh, polyurethane, which I did on one of, on the footboard. And I brushed on the polyurethane without diluting it at all, and um, I wasn't too happy with the results. So I'm in the process of sanding it all off again to go back. And I was thinking, how, how would armor steel look? on a project like this. I mean, I've put them on some test boards, but to be honest with you, it's kind of hard to tell what it's going to look like on a big finished headboard or footboard based on what it looks like on a small two-foot test board, um, especially when you've got all those angles and all those uh, all those tenons and flats and things. So if you could help, I'd really appreciate it. Um, I've been trying to standard clear bullseye, sensor, bullseye, show. Okay, Uh, we don't need to hear the last 30 seconds. Basically, the question is, he's using um, soft maple, and he wants to know what our thoughts are on using Armor Seal over the entire uh, project. And, you know, I got to say, Armor Seal, just for me personally, is probably on about 90% of the projects I finish. So I'm a big fan of it, and it's just a simple wiping varnish. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I've never really had any problems. I've never, put it this way, I've never found a wood that I said, oh, I should have used something else. You know, anything I've used it on has been dependable. And I think what he might be concerned about, the way he's talking about doing a small test part, he's not sure how it would look over a whole big surface. What he may be kind of focusing on a little bit more is the sheen and not so much the finish itself because it's just varnish. So I think maybe if he has a high gloss, he might start to be a little bit concerned that that might be a little overwhelming on a full-size piece of furniture, and I would absolutely agree with him. So he did mention toward the end um, uh, possibly trying some other sheens like the satin and semi-gloss, and I think that's where I would go with it. I don't I don't like really super shiny furniture myself, so I'm a big fan of the range of, you know, from satin to semi-gloss. Very rarely do I even use gloss for, for anything. So um, have you guys ever had a situation, I mean, the, where you just thought, I don't know, maybe lacquer might be a better choice for a particular project over uh, wiping varnish? I'm afraid of lacquer, so I have gotten there. <laughs> Fear the lacquer. <laughs> I, I had one where the customer actually wanted a high gloss. They wanted a, a black lacquer finish, so I 
painted it black and put lacquer over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a royal pain in the, you know what, because it was black and high gloss and showed every single fingerprint. Mm-hmm. So it was like, wipe it down and run away. Uh, it was terrible. So yeah. I'm just glad it's in their house and not in mine. Yeah. I, I mean, when, when it comes down to it, I, I, the idea that somebody might be a little nervous about using armor seal is, is, is kind of funny because I, that is my go-to and I really screw up a lot of stuff and that's my no <laughs> screw up. In fact, they should have a campaign. Matt can't mess this up. <laughs> Even Matt can't mess this up. You should buy it too. It's uh, it's so, definitely a good go-to finish. You know, it's it's a good default finish and I don't think you can go wrong with it, honestly, unless you're uh, you want to avoid a film, then you might want to go with something else. But if you're looking for a, a good quality, durable, easy to apply film finish, I think Armor Seal is a great choice. Or yeah, there's man. a great video out there, like simple varnish finish or something like that. Uh, really good. Yes, I've heard of this video. Um, oh, yeah. I used that one as a, as a, it's a coaster <laughs> at my house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's not a goatee. It's a soul patch. But um <laughs> Yeah, it's a. I do have a DVD on the on the topic. It's called a simple varnish finish, and it's just kind of outlining the entire process, which is rather simple. But there is a lot of detail to talk about if you really want to get down to the the nitty gritty. So, I guess I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that one. But uh, great detailed simple varnish finish. It is. Yeah, it's a simple process, but you know, in forty minutes, forty five minutes, I can't remember how long it is, but I go through every step and just kind of show you exactly what you should be looking for. All right. Well, another finishing question is a little bit of a theme this week. This one is from Eli, who wants to know about uh, some Wenge that he's trying to fill the pores in. Hey, guys. This is uh, Eli in Maryland. Um, I had a question about Wenge and shellac and a problem I have run into. Uh, Specifically, um, I make uh, medieval crossbow replicas, and I was making one out of Wenge, and I noticed it had some extremely open pores, and so I thought I would do some grain filling on it to to help out the final finish so it wouldn't get as dirty, and wanted to go with something a little more uh, historical of an approach to that. So I went to go use some sanding sealer um, shellac to do this. I was using just the uh, uh, you know Zinger uh, Bullseye uh, brand, and. I started really having a problem where I'd put on a layer or two, I would go to sand it off, and I would really have problems with my sandpaper gumming up. Um, And I tried this a couple times, and I was really having some issues. I then went online, started looking, and found some places recommending that when you were doing grain filling to put on four to six coats at a time and then to sand it off. So I thought I'd do that. Well, not only was I having problems with it seeming to take like a couple hours for the shellac to actually dry between coats when it's supposed to take like a half hour to 45 minutes, Um, but in the end, after I got that massive layer on it and I tried to start sanding it, it, even after giving it a couple days to potentially cure, it was just gumming up as soon as the sandpaper would hit it and I'd start going uh, heavily with a, either a hand one or a random orbital, it would just end up gumming up. My sandpaper would gum up. Everything would get horrible, and it just made a complete and utter mess. And I've now been sitting here in the shop for two hours with uh, hand scrapers, uh, scraping the stuff off where with each push I have to then clear the gunk off the scraper and then start over again because I've wasted like eight pads of uh, disc sanders. In any case, I would love some uh, information if you can let me know about what the heck happened here, um, why I couldn't sand off the sanding sealer, 
Um, and any other uh, advice or suggestions you could give me about um, filling grain in the future if I want to. Thanks. Okay, so this this is kind of interesting. At first, I thought this was uh, okay. He just used an oil based, you know, sealer of some sort, and he's trying to fill the grain, and it's not drying because there's a little bit too much oil in the wood. But that's not what he's talking about. He's using dewaxed shellac as the sealer, and he's having issues with it curing. So he's piled it on top, you know, four, five, six coats on top of one another, and it's still not setting up. So um, any thoughts on that? Because this is a little bit more of an unusual problem. I've got a clue, but I, I don't want to uh, take all the, uh, you know, conversation time here. So what, what do you guys think? Anything jump out at you that could be the problem? I have no clue. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, Matt. Shannon, how about you? So it's it's just not leveling. That's the issue. It sounds like it's it's just not curing. So the first coat went on, didn't cure. Now, of course, as we know, anytime a finish is not cured, what it, whatever finish it is, the absolute worst thing you can do is put more finish on top of it, right? <laughs> because it's not it's going to make the problem worse. So that's number one. Um, so you want to wait until that finish is actually starting to harden up. So I think that's the problem. Uh, is he's just not getting enough curing. <laughs> See, yeah, I like, thought that was too obvious, so I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> you want to go for the obvious answer? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> we'll go with that, Matt. <laughs> I wonder how old the shellac is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, the thing but, is, the well, he's using um, what is it? Bullseye seal coat. So it's in the can. Yeah, I find that stuff that stuff doesn't. Years, it? Yeah, well, it, it's like three years they claim, but the problem is I don't think that they move the material as fast as some of the other things. In fact, it was it took a long time before my my local places would even stock it on a regular basis, uh, and when they did, I would look at it, and the cans are just there forever. You know, so they, there there may be a problem with the shellac, and curing typically for shellac is not a problem yeah. uh, unless it's really old. So I, I don't, I don't, I'm curious if the chat room has any other suggestions. It's really the only thing that it could be because I know I've used shellac on tons of oily woods as that sealer, that initial sealer coat that blocks the oil, and it has no problem curing. So I would just guess that maybe he's got an old shellac problem. Uh, maybe buy a new can or better yet, mix your own from flakes. Yeah, that and I've never had Wingy act that way anyway. Just Wingy's not terribly oily. No, no, that's what I was thinking too. It's got a little bit, but I've been able to coat it with, you know, with um, uh, oil-based varnish without any sort of problems. I wonder how how, uh, uh, dry that Wingy is, if that would make a difference, if it's like still, you know, pretty moist or something. Hmm, That's a good question. Moisty? Yeah. Moisty? Moisty, is it like moisty. I mean, I, I don't somehow see it being like one of those. Oh, it was just cut yesterday, and we put it in here right now. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I guess that could certainly be an issue. But most likely, any of the exotics and stuff, um, by the time they're in our hands, they're usually pretty well, you know, cured or right, dried, right. I should say. Um, but interesting, definitely a good thought. So one of those things, and I think if it's if it's a wood moisture problem, I think you know uh, there's a pretty straightforward fix for that. But if it's shellac, just Buy some new stuff, you know, try try something else. And to address this problem, yeah, I mean, really, the only choice he's going to have at this point is to get it off of there. Maybe some uh, scraping to get the bulk off and a good wipe with um, denatured alcohol. And then give it a couple days to cure. Wait until it's completely cured where it's not tacky or cool at all to the touch. And once you're at that point, give it a light sanding and then get your fresh shellac. And I would dilute it pretty significantly. I would start with maybe half pound to a pound cut, so very, very thin, and start layering layering it that way where most of it is thinner. 
Uh, and this way, hopefully, he can start building up layers of thin cured shellac before he's ready to start piling it on. Now, the other thing is he's trying to pill uh, he's trying to pill the floors, guys. Uh, he's, oh, which most oh, people he's doing, would, it, he's doing it the mat style. Yeah, I like to pill the floor <laughs> while I'm I'm beating the live horse <laughs> with death. Yeah, so what I meant to say was he's trying to fill the pores. And the question that I have is whether he's even going about it the best way. Um, personally, it sounds like he's got a lot of work ahead of him. The pores and the grain lines in Wenge are significant. And trying to fill that with shellac means you're going to waste a lot of shellac by the time uh, he builds it up enough and sands it back and builds it up and sands it back to get something flat. That's going to take a lot of time, and it's a big waste of shellac. So I would probably recommend going with a commercial pore filler on that if he's truly looking for that effect. I think you should do like a 12-pound cut. <laughs> there you go. And just apply it with a big roller or something. Just use a spackle yeah, blade. There you go. Clop it on there. <laughs> that would be great. He can uh, get it directly from the lack bugs themselves. Just come over here and squeeze them on, on there. <laughs> Blowtorch and some flakes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Good stuff. Well, there you go. So that's uh, our, our suggestions, whether they are good or not. That's what we got for you. All right. We do have a comment here, and this may spur on, and, and we're kind of running a little bit uh, long here, so we'll have to make it quick. I know, Shannon, you've got a comment about this, but let's let uh, Jeremy. He's uh, he's from Australia. Good day, mate. I heard people like it when I try to talk like I'm Australian. I didn't. And really... we have an Australian in the chat room right now. He just joined us because I guess it's morning there. Oh, really? Who is it? Who's our uh, Henley? One is his. Uh, oh, that's uh, uh, his Don. Comment. That's Don. Good day, oh, mate. Hey. Don. Good day. Yeah, that, that's both? all I know. Don, Don uh, put put a shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's end this. Good day, mates. This is Jeremy. JMK89, a.k.a. the muddle-headed woodworker. Just dropping in a comment on your discussion in Wood Talk Online Radio number 74 about low-angle and standard-angle planes. Generally, I agree with what Matt and Shannon had to say. My one contribution is that it is possible to increase the angle of a beveled down plane so that you can increase its effective angle attack on the wood surface. You do that by putting a two or three or even five degree back bevel on your blade. That is a bevel on the side of the blade which is normally kept flat. Doing this means that you have increased the effective angle that the blade has to the wood. As someone who doesn't have access to much nice, straight-grained wood suitable for hand tool use and is forced to use what Shannon called Australian jungle wood for almost all his projects, this trick has worked well for me and enables me to get acceptable results from my standard Stanley Bailey planes without incurring the expense of acquiring new bevel-up planes from the US or Canada. The one thing I will say that low angle planes are better for is pairing end grain. So there is always room for one low angle block plane in my toolbox. Uru from Sydney. Talk to you later. Bye. Word up. Straight up from Sydney. So um, is that, uh, I'm sure you guys knew that. We just didn't uh, actually talk about it. But Shannon, you said you've had a little bit of a change of heart with something concerning bevel up, bevel down. Well, I still like bevel up planes a lot. I still use my Veritas bevel up smoother all the time, but mm -hmm. I'm actually relegating that to a lot more of a specialty plane. Um, and I'm 
it's, it's because of the hand tool school, because I'm trying to stick to this very small toolkit. Mm-hmm. I've been using a, um, a wooden bevel down smoother and then a, um, an old Stanley uh, vintage number three that I restored. And I really like them. I mean, the, the one thing about the bevel ups that you can't do as easily as adjust them on the fly. Um, you know, you can back a blade out on a bevel down and then, um, I tend to point my finger like I am when I'm sawing. Mm-hmm. I point my index finger and you can just kind of hit that um, adjustment knob and advance it little by little by little. Um, you can do it a little bit with some of the bevel up planes, but essentially you're you're locking that plane down with the, with the lever iron and it's not as easy to do. Um, I don't know. There's just something, um, they certainly push a lot easier um, because you're not fighting against that really, really steep bevel, at least my my smoothing plane because i've got a 50 degree angle on it so it's a lot harder to push but i don't know i've really enjoyed in the last couple of weeks working with my bevel down planes Mm -hmm. and purposely not using that bevel up um has really kind of (laughs) made me flip-flop a little bit so interesting there it is well there you go and you're still going to use a joiner fence though (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna smack you with my joiner fence i brought it with me to give you a good whacking at WI. Unfortunately, you weren't there, but... (laughs) Well, that's awesome. All right, uh, thanks for that, uh, Jeremy. We appreciate the comment and the clarification. Uh, And it's always fun when when we get schooled. Um, All right, so we do have a Tom's tip today. So now everyone's looking forward to that. All right, here we go. Tom's tips. That's right, I said Tom's tips. I didn't say Tom's lips. I said Tom's tips. Hello, everyone. It's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. The one thing I love to save as much as money in my shop is time. I found that the biggest time waster is rummaging through the drawers and boxes looking for the parts I need in order to do a particular task. That's why I went to the local dollar store and bought a few appropriately sized plastic containers to hold all the parts I need to do a particular job. For instance, in my little sharpening box, I have my sharpening stones, strop, honing oil, sharpening jig, and other accessories ready to go. And when I'm done, they gotta go right back in the box. This way I'm not wasting time digging around for the things I need and get back to the bench a whole lot faster. Are you looking for a good time that involves woodworking? Hey, who isn't? You can connect with woodworkers from around the corner or around the world at the Wood Talk Online community. Just visit woodtalkonline.com and let the fun begin. How uh, how Jersey did Tom sound when he went? They got to go back in the box. <laughs> got to go back in the box, yo. Oh, we love you, Tom. He puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's actually a good tip. Plastic storage containers at the dollar store. I actually use them more for finishing than anything else because I don't feel bad about letting finish dry in them and getting a couple uses out of them and throwing them away. But uh, definitely those uh, cheap dollar store plastic containers are fantastic. Yep, that's exactly what I'm using my for on the buffet that I'm building <laughs> right now. <laughs> on the buffet. On uh, the buffet. All right. All of a sudden your voice got really crappy, Matt. What happened? Oh, I don't, I, I'm going through puberty again. Uh, t- did you bring up some of those special videos that we were talking about earlier? Um, hmm? I'm not going to comment During on that. During the show, I, Matt? Hmm? I am. I am 
It is wood talk. I thought that was okay. <laughs> okay, so we're clearly in the adult swim portion of the evening. You just heard Tom say, looking for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I went a-looking. <laughs> there you go. And you found it. That's All right. right. I think that wraps it up for us. Matt, you want to uh, give them the contact info, and we will ski-daddle out of here. That's right. Of course, if you have a comment, question, or suggestion about something you heard today or something you would like to hear in an episode, of course, you can uh, get a hold of us a couple different ways. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone like our three callers did tonight and leave us a message on our voicemail, 623-242-2450. Find us on the Twitter at MBW Podcast, Wood Whisperer, or Renaissance WW, and look for us on the Facebook, too. And, of course, as we just heard from our good buddy Jersey Tom, you can also find us over at woodtalkonline.com where you can join in the fun conversation and maybe get your Christmas list up there too so we can start badgering your family for you. There you so go. we'll have all that information in the show notes, of course. And um, yeah, that's about it. Okay. You know, I also want to make a quick mention that we do have a new app if you are an iPhone user. Uh, it is a Wood Whisper app that basically is an accompaniment to the website. So if you have an iPhone or iPod or iPad and you're so inclined, it's free. Go ahead and download it. Nicole made it, and she's awesome for doing that for us, and hopefully we'll be able to have an Android version soon as well, so don't give us crap. Um, <laughs> but we do appreciate everybody downloading that and leaving us a review, if you could. And by the way, you know, this this makes me think about this. You know, the reviews in iTunes are actually pretty important in terms of your ranking and how you're actually displayed in the iTunes store. So if you guys subscribe to us using iTunes, do us a favor Head over to our page on iTunes and leave us a, a review. And you can actually leave a text review or just uh, click the number of stars. And that will that'll help us do better. I don't know what you know what we're going to get out of it, but it makes me feel good <laughs> to see good reviews. Uh, you know, we got a little bit of a new format with a third person added to it. So let us know what you think about it. Right, absolutely. And we one more thing. I like that shirt you're wearing, Mr. Man. <laughs> Did you guys see this? This is what happens when your brain is on Matt's Basement Workshop podcast. Can they buy these, Matt? Um, not yet. There's only uh, three of those types. And if I see anybody else except for you two and myself wearing it, I want to know which one of you uh, SOBs put it on eBay, and I want my cut. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a great so, shirt. I, I am working on uh, putting one together and maybe not white so we could wear it on our shows and yeah. not blow out the color. Yeah, that's always a problem. I get these great go. white shirts, and I cannot wear them on the, on camera. Okay, well, I think that just about does it for us. Thanks for joining us, chat room, and everybody listening at home. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next week. Sandy yeah. was high school football rules. Wow. Awesome.